The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. We're excited to spend part of our day with you here at the Pet Buzz, giving you some buzz to get y'all through the week. Just to remind you, I'm Petronologist Charlotte Reed, and we've got a great show planned for y'all. So let's get into it. Let's start with the weekly countdown. So four, in segment number four, we're talking about the feline human bond. Dr. Kirsten Vital is joining us to talk about her most recent research. We're surprised to find out that cats bond to humans very much like infants bond to humans. And in three, Dr. Lori Hess is visiting with us again, and she's going to talk about how, in many cases, exotic pets are often better suited to pet owners' personalities and lifestyles than dogs and cats. Go figure. Two, in segment two, we're covering Jake Glennonhall in our celebrity pet dish. And in Flex Facts, we're talking about Top 10 photo techniques so that you can take some pictures of your pets before the holidays and get good at it. Well, and one, One. you know, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence affects millions, both men and women of every race, religion, culture, and status. It's not just punches and black eyes. It's yelling, humiliation, stalking, manipulation, coercion, threats, and isolation. It's stealing a paycheck, keeping tabs online, nonstop texting, constant use of the silent treatment, or calling someone stupid. So often they believe it. It even involves pets. So joining us today is Danielle Bean, Senior Brand Manager at the Nestle Purina Pet Care Company. Thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us today to talk about such an important topic. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, Danielle, most people don't realize that pets are even affected by domestic violence. Talk to us a little about that. Yes, uh, we've realized um, the unfortunate role that pets play a number of years ago in domestic violence situations. Um, and many times they're used actually in this situation, unfortunately. You know, that brings me to my second question. So why is it that some pet owners don't leave these abusive situations? Um, yes, we know that um, almost 50% of pet owners will stay in their abusive situation in fear of what will happen to their pet if they leave them behind. And unfortunately, we know that today only 10% of shelters accept pets. So it leaves these victims in a really um, bad situation where they shouldn't have to choose between the safety of themselves or their pet. And sometimes the abuser holds the pet hostage, true? Um, Correct. Unfortunately, we know that the pets often used um, as kind of a way to manipulate the victim, um, whether it's actually harming the pet or using the pet um, against the victim. You know, and not so not such a long time ago, we had someone from the National Seraphs Association on, and he was talking about, you know, in past years, when he thinks back about these type of situations or thought back about these situations, he would realize, like, they could never understand why the woman wouldn't leave. And then when he started thinking, he realized in a lot of these cases, the women, or not necessarily always the women, there was a pet involved, and maybe that's why she or he decided to stay. 
So it's great insight. Thank you so much for giving us that. So let's move on. Let's talk about the Purple Leash Project. Talk to us about that, what it is, and who your partners are. Sure. So the Purple Leash Project was actually born um, out of really two things. One, the insight that we just talked about, the, the unfortunate role that pets play in um, the lives of domestic violence victims. And then two, it was really born out of Perina's belief that pets and people are better together, especially in times of crisis. Um, we've partnered with Red Rover, um, who has a similar mission to ours of keeping pets and um, their, o- their owners together in times of crisis and launched the Purple Leash Project nationally. And the mission is pretty simple, actually, to make more domestic violence shelters pet-friendly so people can leave um, along with their pets and go to safety. If you've just joined us, we're talking with Danielle Behan of Nestle Perina Pet Care Company about the Purple Leash Project. So what type of upgrades or how are you changing shelters to make them more pet-friendly? Sure, that's a great question that we that we get a lot. Um, I think there's a couple things. One is simple things like adding dog crates or adding a, a park area um, out in the back of a shelter um, so that the dogs and or cats have um, places to go and room to play. And then also helping to convert um, the individual apartments a lot of times to make them pet friendly, whether that's through flooring or um, crates or things like that. So it's really a number of things. Wow. That's fantastic. I mean, there's so few shelters. I mean, we started out, um, I guess we're a supporter of Noah's Ark in Las Vegas, and they were one of the first shelters that actually allowed people and pets to stay there for a really long period of time. Unfortunately, at the, when they started, the pets were housed in a different building. So it's great that Perina is really hands-on with Red Rover making this happen so people and their pets can feel safer, because I definitely agree with your mission. People and pets are better together, not on a daily basis, but when there's a crisis. Okay, so let's talk about Purina's goals. What's going to happen by 2020? What's your, what's your end goal for that? So our short-term goal is by the end of 2020 to have at least one pet-friendly domestic violence shelter per state. Um, and we are confident that we can get there. We have about five states left to go. Um, wow. But we're not going to end there. We want to make it at one point where every shelter is pet-friendly and allows pets to come in. That is fantastic. I mean, you know, that's the nice thing about a company like Perina. They're always working to really contribute to that animal-human bond and make the world a better place for people and pets, especially in times of crisis like this. So I actually got to know or got to hear a little bit about your Purple Leash campaign because a few weeks ago, as my listening audience knows, I went to Pet Night on Capitol Hill and that was interesting. And I was fortunate enough to get a Purple Leash. But so how can pet lovers out there who are listening to the show, how can they raise awareness for the Purple Leash campaign? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think there's a couple things. One is um, we are just trying to raise awareness of the issue because most people, to your earlier point, don't even know or realize there is an issue. And so we're asking consumers out there to post a pic walking with their dog and or cat and post it on social media and tag um, Purple Leash Project and challenge three of their friends to do the same to build awareness. But you can also go to purpleleashproject.com and learn about a lot of other ways to get involved, whether that's donating money to Red Rover and the Purple Leash Project or helping to spread awareness in other ways. Talk a little bit about Red Rover. Where are they based? And do they focus on just domestic violence? Um, So, uh, good question. So, Red Rover is based out in Sacramento, California. Um, And as I mentioned, their mission is to really keep pets and people together in times of crisis. They do a ton in disaster relief. 
Um, and then you can see where the domestic violence um, fits in as well. So they have a huge arm there as well. And they've been working in the space for more than a decade. So we're just um, honestly feel blessed to partner with them to make this now a national impact. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me and thanks for spreading um, awareness of this important issue. Well, that was Danielle Behan, Senior Brand Manager at the Nestle Purina Pet Care Company. To learn more about the Purple Leash Project, visit purpleleashproject.com. And I am challenging you all today. You don't need a purple leash, but get out, walk your dog, have someone take a snap of you and post it on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with Purple Leash Project. Walking for domestic violence. That could be another hashtag. We're going to take a commercial break and come back dishing about how Jake Gyllenhaal saved a Dalmatian in New York City. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Petrondologist Charlotte Reed and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention 
attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. You know, it's time for the celebrity pet dish. You know, every time I see Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler, I can't help but sit down and watch the movie. He's so creepy in the flick, but the actor who plays the devious Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home reportedly rescued a runaway Dalmatian on the streets of New York City, according to page six. So according to the New York Post, the dog broke free from its owner and ran out into the traffic in Tribeca, that's lower Manhattan, and Jill Hall first tried to motion to the pup to leave the busy street and then reportedly brought traffic to a standstill when he walked out to calm the confused dog down. Then he led the dog over to its owner who was just waiting nearby. No injuries were reported in the incident. So you know what? Now when I see Nightcrawler or any movie that he's in or, or see him on TV during an interview... I will always forever think of him as a dog savior, saving a dog from all that New York City traffic. It's traffic in New York is uh, is frightening for a lot of dogs. So good job, Jake. Thumbs up for you. And now what you've been waiting for, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. It's going to take long. You got the time. Halloween is upon us, and it's a great idea to kind of take a little mini training course about our photo tips so that we can capture a great pic of our pet. So let's give you a rundown of some tips. So the first tip I'm going to tell you is don't stress to get the perfect picture. If you stress, your dog or cat will stress too. You know, eyes are the windows of the soul, so focus on your pet's eyes. Here's a great idea. Clean up the environment. Get rid of clutter in the background so the picture will just be all about your pet. And for some of the best photo shoots, it's a great idea to get down to their level. Shoot in their world, whether that means lying on the ground or just uh, bending over and get that that shot of the Great Dane at your or larger dog at your knee or your waist level. Okay. So I always say get warmed up before you start the shoot. And that means do some bends, some twists. Let your muscles get loose because you're going to be moving and shaking around. Uh, in photography, good light is everything. And you really want to be able to catch the light so you could see your pet's eyes. I always think it's a great idea to pay your models with treats and toys. So a yummy toy, a great snack or a fishing pole, a few sessions or a few minutes could be a reward for a great few shots. Really, I think the most engaging animal imagery shows them in context. So if your pet is wearing a Halloween costume, for example, add a pumpkin to the mix. Let's see him before he's going out the door to a monster mash or a community uh, parade. And also, 
there's no quicker way to confuse or freak out a dog or a cat than to start yelling commands. So don't bark at them. Try to use a lot of nonverbal commands. Just relax and enjoy the shoot, and then they will enjoy it too. And last but not least, move really slow. Just enjoy yourself. Make sure, um, you know, you can use your cell phone. You can use uh, your new Sony or Icon camera or Kodak camera. It's always a great idea. You know, I always think that people never have enough pictures for your pet. So Halloween is one of the best times to get your pet or group of pets together. So enjoy yourself and get some great pics of your pets. And that's all of Flex Facts for the week. More of the pet buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the week. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple. And it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night and he led me over to a very specific person. And here that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer, and Aladdin and I are individuals. I'm petrinologist Charlotte Reed with a healthy pet, healthy you tip. There are many reasons that you might have to shelter at home with your pets, such as unsafe air quality, dangerous roads, and or high winds and flying debris, but you have to be prepared. So here are some suggestions. Make sure your pet's inside. If it's unsafe for you to be outside, it's unsafe for him too. Know the location of your pet's emergency go bag. It should have already been stocked with extra food, water, first aid kit, and other essentials your pet needs. Take your pet with you to a room that's safe. The room's location is based on whether you are sheltering from a hurricane, earthquake, tornado, flood, or blizzard. If there's a wildfire, it's best to take your pet and leave the premises immediately. 
bring a battery-operated radio to ensure that you can get updates from emergency officials, even if the power goes out and your phone or internet connection or down. If time allows, move your pet's favorite bed or blanket to your safe room so that you can make him as comfortable as possible until the threat passes. Since pets can get restless if cooped up inside in one room, bring items to keep them engaged, such as toys, games, and learning activities. Make sure your pet has a place to relieve himself. Keeping puppy pee pads on hand can be useful for this purpose, as can potty training your dog to go indoors. Have a few disposable litter boxes for cats, too. Make sure to have cleaning supplies on hand in case of an accident. Keep your pet away from the windows. Debris may be flying around during a storm due to high winds. In fact, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says that flying debris is the most common cause of injury during a hurricane. Be ready for you and your pet to leave at a moment's notice. Keep your dog's leash, crate, or carrier and any necessarily travel gear near the exit. For cats, have a carrier or pop-up shelter and other essentials. Once gone, you can refer to your emergency evacuation plan. You know, pets know when there's panic in the air, so try to remain as calm as possible. This is pet trendologist Charlotte Reed with a healthy pet, healthy you tip. Stay safe. Hey, my name is Rory Diamond. I am the CEO of Canines for Warriors. We are the nation's largest provider of service dogs for disabled American veterans. And we are asking everyone to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. Absolutely critical to do this. It will require the VA to help organizations like Canines for Warriors serve our disabled veterans with incredible life-saving service dogs and to recover from post-traumatic stress. Please contact your member of Congress to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. (laughs) Oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Now I have the I like ease for the week. Your attention, please. I love. It's not sex, but it's close. Oh my god, I'm so happy. We're about to enter a world, a world of wondrous imagination, not only of sound but of mind, of things and ideas. This week I'm featuring two I likeies. So. The first is about Pitbull. So October is National Pitbull Awareness Month. And actually, National Pitbull Awareness Day was established in 2007 as a nationwide effort to bring positive awareness and attention to Pitbulls and their responsible owners. So I want you to check out, if you have a Pitbull, you're thinking about getting a Pitbull mix, visit this site, pitbullinfo.org. You're going to find a lot of great information on the website, a lot of it based on science and not speculation. My second I likey for the month is a Save the Tatas cooling bandana from the Frenchie Bulldog store. Okay, so I think it's kind of cool. So October, once again, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And in order to help 
make that happen, 100% of the proceeds from this bandana is going to be donated when you purchase Save the Tatas bandana. It's a really interesting cooling bandana that can keep your dog cool on the hottest day. So even in Florida right now, it's hot, but it's not that hot. But I like it because it's just really a unique print. It's a fun and vibrant, bright pink color, breast cancer effects humans, male and female, and dogs, male and female. One size fits all. It's $9.99 at FrenchBulldog.com. So definitely check it out. Charlotte, did you know that more than 22 million American households own non-traditional pets like birds, reptiles, and small animals, and the number is soaring? Does that include snakes? And I know how much you love oh, them. Oh, I just really adore snakes, yes. Well, joining us today is Dr. Lori Hess. Dr. Hess is one of fewer than 140 board-certified bird specialists in the world. She owns the American Animal Hospital Association accredited bird and exotic pet specialty hospital in New York. That's also one of three such hospitals in the country. She is also the author of Unlikely Companions. Welcome to the Pet Buzz, Dr. Lori. We're happy to have you back joining us again. Hi, Dr. Flack and Charlotte. Well, you know, last time you joined us, we talked about birds. So today, let's talk about other exotics. What are some of the more popular exotic pets? Rabbits. Rabbits are extremely popular. I mean, they're absolutely exploding. Um, there is a lot of truth to the fact that rabbits multiply because we seem to be seeing more rabbits than we ever have, probably five or six a day in my practice. Um, guinea pigs are also very, very popular. We always see birds, you know, little birds, bigger birds. We definitely see some reptiles, particularly bearded dragon lizards, geckos, and some other, maybe some turtles and tortoises are also somewhat popular, small tortoises. And then we get a handful of other things like ferrets. We'll see some odd pets like hedgehogs and sugar gliders, and occasionally a potbelly pig. So it's really, it runs the gamut. Mm, geckos, huh? Mm. So Dr. Dr. Black is not <laughs> fond of snakes, Dr. Lori. <laughs> So you say snakes or anything with like, you know, skin or anything like that. He kind of like makes a face. So why are exotics growing in popularity? Everyone likes to have something that's unique and different and makes them stand out. And so I think, unfortunately, people are drawn to exotics often initially because they're cool and they see them in a pet store window or their friend might have one and they say, oh, I got to have that incredible, beautiful parrot or that really cool mm, snake, unfortunately, to your detriment. (laughs) (laughs) She's on to you now. (laughs) They also, they're easier to keep in some ways than a cat or a dog because you don't have to walk them or take them outside, most of them. So they're better for people who are living in small spaces, small homes, small apartments. If you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Lori Hess, an exotic veterinarian who is also the medical director of Zupreme. But yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I know a lot of adults like having rabbits and some of the reptiles and the snakes because you don't have to walk it. You don't have to bring in a dog walker, but you do have to bring in someone to care for a rabbit or a gecko or one of the other pets when you're away. But I think that's an interesting lifestyle choice for an adult. Sometimes some of these pets do have a lot of requirements to get them set up, like reptiles and 
particular, some birds. But once you get them set up and you do it right, when you have the cage or the tank and the light and the heat or whatever the animal requires, which I definitely recommend strongly before you get one of these animals, you educate yourself so you know what you're getting into and there are no surprises. But once you get set up, um, as long as you have a caretaker who can come in and follow directions, it's usually pretty straightforward. And, and the animals don't typically need to go outside. They do need some space, but they can even live in a small apartment and, you know, run around a bedroom or something like that. So that is definitely an advantage for many people who don't have the time to, you know, walk them or put them in a play group somewhere or something like that, like you would with a dog. So kids, is it true that exotics are good for children, especially those with special needs? Some exotics are better for some children versus others. I see a lot of families in my practice, so I'm very often asked, you know, oh, you know, we want to get a first pet. We're not ready for a cat or a dog. We'd like something else. So for children who don't have special needs, I'll, I'll definitely recommend, you know, guinea pigs are a great mammal pet. Um, they're very durable. They're cuddly. They're cute. They don't have huge requirements. Um, I think for people who want a bird, a little bird like a cockatiel or a budgie is also a great starter bird. Uh, you know, budgies can live into their teens. We commonly call them parakeets. They're actually called budgerigars in real life. Bunnies can live into their teens as well. So, you know, they're, they're better probably for maybe school-age children or slightly older school-age children because bunnies can get dropped easily. But uh, some of the little reptiles like geckos or bearded dragon lizards with proper care, children in elementary school and age up do well with those. And for those children um, on the spectrum or with special needs, I definitely think reptiles have a, a strong place because they're not overstimulating. Um, they do require care, so children often, you know, will follow directions and with the supervision of an adult, they can definitely do well with like a small tortoise or a small lizard, um, even a small bird like a budgie that are, you know, those animals are not loud and overstimulating. So for kids on the spectrum, that's a great choice of pet as long as they have supervision. No, I think that's a great point. I think we're seeing more and more kids these days that have special needs or actually they're identifying them than when I was growing up. But lastly, you know, one of the things that always come up is about catching diseases, whether it's from dogs and cats or whether it's from exotic animals. So can you talk a little bit about that and what, you know, you need to make sure your kids do after he's been handling those exotic animals? Yeah, I mean, it's really not different from a dog or a cat. I mean, if you have a small child who, or even a larger child who's handling an exotic animal, you know, just as with a cat or a dog, you want to make sure they wash their hands. And smaller children will put their hands in their mouth and forget to wash their hands. So I definitely recommend, you know, putting a little, maybe a, you know, a Purell bottle or some antiseptic type gel uh, near the cage. So it just reminds the child that if they're going to handle the pet afterward, they need to disinfect their hands, wash their hands, and that should become routine. Um, I think that in terms of actual diseases, there are some diseases that birds can carry. For example, we see psittacosis or parrot fever sometimes in birds who are mixed with a lot of other birds in a pet store. But the key is that just like a dog or a cat can carry parasites, for example, that human beings can 
can get that exotic animals need checkups, just like dogs and cats do, to ensure that they're healthy. And I definitely recommend that after you get that exotic pet, regardless of what it is, you go to a qualified veterinarian familiar with the type of animal you have and let them do a thorough exam and perhaps some blood tests and stool sample testing to make sure that animal is healthy uh, for the animal's sake and also for the sake of your family. Dr. Hess, thank you very much again for rejoining us today. It really is a pleasure having you with us. It is. She's so energetic know, and I just loves it. what she does. And I, I love that about Dr. Lori Hess. And she Hess. didn't talk much about snakes. <laughs> that was Dr. Lori Hess, the owner and medical director of Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics. She's a lecturer and she's an author. Learn more about her and her practice at avianexoticsvet.com. Up next, we're talking about shamrock puppies. Stay tuned to learn more about green dogs. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I used to move a lot, but then one day the human said I could stay. They say a lot of words like no and don't chew on that. And sometimes brother and sister get mad at me for pulling their tail or biting their ears. But at the end of the day, when I snuggle up with Mr. Piggy, it's good to know I have a home. Make a dog's day. Adopt. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. Just, you know, here at the Pet Buzz, we're urban, suburban, and country. So let's kick off the segment with some global pet news. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. You know, Colorado resident Caddy Williams could not believe her eyes after her three-year-old Great Dane gave birth to a litter of nine Great Dane puppies, including one very special one that was born green. Williams said that when the puppies were born, she wrote down their matching coat color and pattern. And as the green puppy came into the world, she initially thought it was black. She said it was really dark. So she got out her phone, you know, to check with the flashlight and she realized that the pooch was green. So a chemical called biliverdin, which makes bile, is the reason behind the unique green coloring of the pooch. The green color condition is rare, but it's not dangerous. Biliverdin dyes the fur while in the mother's womb, but the green coating doesn't last forever. Ultimately, puppy number eight not be green anymore. She'll be like all the other dogs in her litter. So like I said, it ultimately fades away. Okay. A new Oregon State University study finds that pet cats form attachments with their human owners that are similar to the bonds formed by children and dogs with their caretakers. Joining us today is the study's lead author, Kristen Vitale, a researcher in the Human-Animal Interaction Lab in OSU's College of Agricultural Sciences. Kristen. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Well, before we get started, we want to congratulate you because we've seen you finished your PhD program, Dr. Vitale. Yes, I'm finally done. <laughs> I know. Congratulations. Congratulations. Now you're a doctor. Okay. Well, you, Thank well, you. You're welcome. So is this the first time the researchers have demonstrated that cats display the same main attachment styles as babies and dogs? Yeah. So other studies have looked at some attachment behaviors of cats, but this is the first study that has shown that cats display both the secure and insecure styles of attachment to their owners. And these are the same types of attachment styles that we see in babies and dogs. And what it means is that secure individuals are able to use their owner as a source of security, whereas insecure individuals don't use their owner in that way and either excessively cling to their owner or avoid them. You know, one of the things I thought was interesting in one of your interviews, you mentioned that cats have juvenile traits. Talk a little bit about that. I want, I want our listeners to understand what you mean by juvenile traits. Yeah, so the retention of juvenile traits is actually one mark of domestication, and it's something that we see in a lot of these domesticated animals. And so in cats, these include different modifications of these infantile behaviors. So these are things like kneading, where they're taking their paw and um, extending and kind of clawing uh, at the owner in a way, um, purring, and then even things like drooling. So these are all behaviors that stem from nursing with their mother, but they're retained and then often directed toward their owners as those cats get older. Interesting. It is very interesting. Because, you know, Hayden gets in the bed. He Sometimes he needs me or sometimes he needs the covers. Yeah. And I think people are always curious about that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So next, let's discuss the protocols of the study. Who was involved and how was was it conducted? So we tested 79 kittens. Uh, these were kittens between the ages of three and eight months, and then 38 adult cats that were over one year old, along with all of their owners. And so what we did was bring the cats and their owners into our lab here at Oregon State University. And this was an unfamiliar room where neither the cat nor owner had been before. And for two minutes, we just let the cat and owner in the unfamiliar room. And then what we do is bring the owner out and for two minutes, the cat is alone. And this alone phase acts as a potentially mild stressor for the cat. So that actually allows a potential attachment behavior to be heightened. And so when the owner comes back, we can then see if any of these attachment behaviors are directed toward the owner. So once that owner comes back into the room, we see does the cat display any of these styles of attachment, either secure or insecure attachment toward their owner. Interesting. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Kristen Vitale about the attachment bonds between domesticated cats and humans. Let's discuss the findings a little bit and really how they relate to humans. Talk about how the findings compare to infants and their relationships with humans. So we found, um, as I mentioned, the same secure and insecure styles. So what that means is that a secure individual, just like a secure human, will use their caretaker as a source of security. So what we see is that that individual will go back to their caretaker once they return, greet them, and then go back to exploring the room while periodically going to their caretaker for attention. So there's this idea of this contact exploration balance with their caretaker, where uh, insecure cats don't really return to that balance. And instead of going back to exploring the room and calming down at the, now that that 
caretaker is back, we see that they'll excessively cling to their caretaker, basically just glue to them, or excessively avoid them. And so, again, these are the same responses that we see in infants when their caretaker leaves and come back. And we are also seeing the same percentage of cats being secure as we're seeing in humans. I thought that percentage was really high. It was like, what, 65, somewhere between 65 and 68 percent? Yeah, so around 65 percent of both the cats and the kittens were securely attached. And that's exactly what we see in the human infants as well. Hmm. That's pretty unbelievable. So why do you think this study is so important and why do humans need to think about your findings when they're acquiring cats and developing relationships with these animals? I think that, uh, well, first off, we have all these ideas about cats maybe being aloof or they're so independent that they don't really need us. But this research really shows that the majority of cats are depending on their owner to be the source of security for them, especially if they're stressed or in an unfamiliar situation. So it's really important for people to remember that they can have a direct impact on their cat's behavior and to try to be receptive to their cat if they seem stressed out. But also just uh, considering this when adopting a cat or picking a cat out to bring into your home, that some cats might not develop a secure attachment and may have an insecure attachment with you. So it's really important to note that every cat's going to be different. And to really consider that individual's personality to find the best way to strengthen that bond that you have with them. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, Dr. Vitali and also Dr. Fleck, is, you know, recognizing that these cats form such heavy attachments to you or human-like attachments, you really need to think long and hard about acquiring a cat. Because that's a commitment that you're going to have for a very long period of time. And a cat can possibly become so attached to you that you don't want to have to be in a position that you might have to give them away or put them up for adoption. So for me, that was, that's where the long range implications were. Because like you said, people have this conception that cats are aloof. Ah, maybe if it went to somebody else's house, it would adjust, but maybe not. So that's kind of what I thought. Absolutely. We actually know from other researchers that cats that are surrendered to shelters by owners are consistently more stressed than cats that are strays and maybe didn't lose that bonded caretaker. So that's a really good point that forming this bond with your cat can definitely have long-lasting impact on that cat's behavior. Lots of food for thought. Well, Dr. Vitali, congratulations again. And thank you so much for being with us today. Great. Thank you for having me. Well, everyone, that was Dr. Kristen Vitali, a researcher in the Human-Animal Interaction Lab at Oregon State University College of Agricultural Science. To learn more about her study, visit currentbiologyatcell.com. You wait, you see, it's going to happen. The two of these ladies are going to be hooked up. They're going to work on a study together. So, unfortunately, we got to wrap the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. Next week, we're talking about saving money on pet pharmaceuticals. We're also talking about Colorado Correctional Institute prison dog. 
Imagine getting a dog that's fully trained. But before we go, we want to give special thanks to Danielle Bihan, Dr. Lori Hess, and Dr. Kirsten Vitale. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Now, you guys know, if you have a question, write us at teamatthepetbuzz.com, and we'll cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels, as well as your favorite streaming channel to listen to the Link podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. My name is Mike Ruiz, and I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, and now I live in New Jersey. The thing that made me fall in love with Oliver was the very first time I met him, he was being fostered by a friend of mine whom I was visiting. I opened the door to my friend's house, and Oliver came running up to me, sat at my feet, and looked up at me with the most beautiful, big, brown, soulful eyes. And within 24 hours, I had filled out all the paperwork, and Oliver was my son. I've experienced a lot of discrimination with Oliver. We would walk down the street and people would literally cross the street and you know when they would see us coming you know they saw like a menacing pit bull type dog but just found it so baffling because Oliver was the sweetest gentlest creature that I've ever met in my entire life sadly I lost Oliver in August of 2018 I wanted to commemorate him in a way that was very meaningful so I got this tattoo of him it's just such an amazing thing knowing that I carry him in my heart I now carry him on my arm My name is Mike Ruiz, and Oliver and I are individuals.